Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. It's a privilege uh, again uh, to, to connect with you and to be on the same platform. Yeah, actually, like you said, the last time we had one in South Africa, it was really good. And like you rightly mentioned, uh, the spirit connected. And so I'm really also uh, grateful, like I said, to come through this medium to be able to talk to your people and talk to our audience online as well. Um, well, my assignment, like you just mentioned, is uh, Kingdom Authority, exercising your Kingdom Authority. So I'm going to be giving very few simple definitions on this kingdom and then the issue of authority. I'm sure we know what that stands for. Authority basically comes from the word Azusia in this context, which you find in false, I mean, John chapter 1, verse number 12. As many as receive him, he gave power to become the sons of God. The word power there is Azusia, which has to do with delegated responsibility. Uh, okay. But let me start with reading this scripture in the book of Psalm, Psalm 22, verse 27 to 28, which I find very interesting as well. Uh, the Bible says, All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. Verse 28 says, For the kingdom is the Lord's, and the governor among the nations, the kingdom is the Lord's, and is the governor among the nations. Uh, I would like to take this again. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. Get this right. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. And all kindreds of the nation shall worship before him. Now can I tell you something? This is going to have a fulfillment at the appointed time. It's going to be exactly what the Lord said. This way it talks about, at the name of Jesus, all knees shall bow, all tongues shall confess that Jesus is Lord. And that's what he just reiterated here. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nation shall worship before thee. And when you look at verse 28 of Psalm 22, it says, For the kingdom is the Lord's glory. The reason they are going to turn back to worship the Lord is because the kingdom is the Lord, and is the governor among the nations. Whether you believe it or not, Jesus is going to reign supreme all over the nations. Praise God. So, it said the kingdom is the Lord's. And that is very important for us to understand. The kingdom is the Lord's. So, what then is a kingdom? We want to find out. You see, this misconception of thinking that the kingdom has to do with uh, that which will come to Jerusalem some days and maybe Jesus is going to set up his tabernacle, I mean his throne, as the son of David in Jerusalem. I think it's important for us to go through the scriptures again. When you go back to the book of Acts chapter 2, you see very precisely that he sat on the throne of his father David when he rose from the grave. Not when he comes again. Not when he comes a second time. No. Go back and read exactly what Peter said in the book of Acts chapter 2. When he rose from the grave, he sat on the throne of his father David. Amen? Okay, so... What exactly is the kingdom? We often look at this from the physical aspect, but in the true sense of the spirit. I mean, the kingdom is in spiritual reality. That is why it's sometimes very difficult for people to understand that the kingdom is right here. Because they think the kingdom is yet to come. The kingdom is going to come one day. And sometimes they even project it to thinking about, oh, when it's going to come in the millennium reign of 1,000 years. No. Let me just show you a simple, simple scripture from this. Look at the book of Matthew chapter 12 and verse 28 only. Now in this particular chapter, he, was, he did some miracles. He cast out some demons from individuals 
And uh, they turn around to say, oh well, he's using the spirit of Beelzebub. Now, do you know why they made that statement there? It's all because the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were all now wondering and trying to keep the people away from listening to Jesus. Why? Because Isaiah prophesied that when the son of David comes with the Messiah, he's going to do signs and wonders and miracles. So the people were not asking the question, is this not the son of David? Is that okay? So, but the Jews were saying, don't mind him, he's using the spirit of Beelzebub. So they were trying to turn away the heart of the people from Jesus, you know. In affirming and confirming the fact that he is the son of David, he is the Messiah that has come. Because that's what Isaiah said. That when the Messiah comes, these are the kind of signs that are going to follow him. And Jesus was performing those signs. So the Pharisees turned around and said, no, this is not the Jesus. This is not real. It's a fake. He's using the spirit of Bezebub. Can you get the meaning? Okay, so in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 12, Jesus now said, but if I cast a devil by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. Now, this is very, very important. In a very simplified form of the definition of the word kingdom. Look at it again. Now, I prefer to read this from the Amplified Translation. And he said, but if by the Spirit of God that I drive out the demons... Then the kingdom of God has come upon you before you expected it. Praise God. Praise God. Before you expected it. Remember, they were expecting the Messiah to come. They were expecting the kingdom to come. When the Messiah comes, he's going to serve his kingdom. As a matter of fact, he's going to drive away the, 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 the Romans, you know, because you go back to uh, the book of Daniel chapter 2, where you begin to look at the image of Daniel, right? You have the head of gold, the medal patient. Which is actually the, uh, uh, the, 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 the third kingdom. And then you, you move down to Greece. From Greece you get down to Rome. And the Bible says in the days of this king shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. Can you get that? Alright so their own understanding actually was that when the Messiah comes they're going to drive away the Romans. They're going to set the Jews free. So because they didn't see that. That's why they never wanted to believe in the kingdom. But look at what he said here. You know, um, um, from the Alphabet translation in Matthew chapter twelve and verse number twenty-eight. But if by the Spirit of God that I drive out the demons, that the kingdom of God has come upon you before you expected it. In other words, they were expecting the kingdom. So what is that supposed to mean? Jesus is rightly saying here the kingdom is carried by the Holy Spirit. Amen. That the kingdom is carried by the Holy Spirit. It is by the Holy Spirit that the kingdom comes. So if you have the Holy Spirit, you got a kingdom. Now if you say the kingdom is not available now, you are equally saying the Holy Spirit is not available now. Praise God. Can you get that? Okay, so move down a little bit. Uh, when we come down, still giving a simple definition to the word kingdom, let's look at Romans chapter 14 again, verse 17, and then we take this also from the Amplified Translation. Romans 14 verse 17. And this is what it says. God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach. For goodness sake. Sorry, this is going to be, let me take this from the, uh, what I call this now, the message translation. It's a little bit simpler than the, the amplified. But this is what it says. Are you there with me? Message translation, Romans 14 17. God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach. For goodness sake. It's what God does with your life. As he said it right. That's righteousness. Holds it together. And completely with joy. Amen. He sets your life right. In some other simpler translation. Maybe let me amplify. I mean, sorry. The, the, the King James who says. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. But righteousness and joy and peace and the Holy Spirit. Can you follow it? That is the kingdom. And in I said verse number 18, Romans 14, your task is to single-mindedly serve Christ. Do that and you keep two belts with one stone. Pleasing the God above you and proving your what to the people around you. What is that supposed to mean? Again we find that in the in the King James, he simply says, 
He that serveth Christ in this, in this, in these things, with things, righteousness, joy, peace in the Holy Spirit. It says, approved of God and acceptable to men. He that serve Christ in these things is approved of God and acceptable to men. So you find that we are saying the kingdom of God is manifested by and through the Holy Spirit. It's not something that is coming in tomorrow. It's already been here. Again, understand very simple things. In simple definition. We have always said this in almost all of our broadcasts. A kingdom is made up of four elements, if you will. You have the king, the subject of the king, the territory, and the culture of the laws of the people in the territory. So what is that supposed to mean? For instance, you can see that there was a kingdom or the kingdom of God in Eden. Why did I say that? Because the four elements that makes up the kingdom were there. God was there. The subject was Adam and Eve. The territory was the garden of Eden. And the culture of the laws was thou shalt not eat of this tree. The four elements that makes up the kingdom were right there. But again, let me ask you this question. We do know that we have such things like animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, the flower kingdom, the fish kingdom. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? Right. All of these things will refer to them as kingdoms. So, if you have the fish kingdom, for instance, in, within the fish kingdom, you can have the carts, the codfish. Now, all the codfish have the same species. I mean, they have the same gene. They represent themselves. So, within the whole lot of that which are called the fish kingdom, you have different species of kingdom, such as the cat kingdom, the tilapia kingdom, and so on and so forth. The mud fish, all of them, different species, right there within the animal, I mean the fish kingdom. You turn them out to the animal kingdom, you find the same principle. So, when you say something is a kingdom, you are talking about all the peculiar graces and identity and, and structures that identify this company of people. And so you can talk about the, the, the fish kingdom, like I'm saying. Alright? So, when you say the animal kingdom, you're referring to the whole of the animal world and how they behave, how they conduct themselves. So a kingdom simply speaks of a species of a specific creature. And in this context, when you say God's kingdom, what do you mean? You're talking about a kingdom that is made of gods by implication. All of God's children together with God makes up his kingdom. Praise God. By implication. We're talking about people that have the identity the likeness and the image of God. That's what makes up God's kingdom. Just like you find the animal's kingdom. Is that okay? So you are in the kingdom simply means you have or you ought to have the likeness, the attributes and the conduct of God. That's what makes you a kingdomite. Is that okay? Alright. So quickly let's move on to uh, the book of Psalms. Psalm 110 verse number 1 and 2. And I would like to take this from the... Um, the New Living Translation. I like the way it is rendered there. The rendition here is very powerful for me. The Bible said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies. Make them a footstool under your feet. The verse 2 is so strong. The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. You will rule over your enemies. Praise God. The Lord will extend... And he said, the Lord will extend your powerful kingdom. Talking to Jesus now. The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. What Jerusalem? We're talking about the church. And that's why you see in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 22. He said, you are come unto the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. 
with innumerable company of angels, with the spirit of just men make perfect. Oh, glory. You've come, now that you are going to come. So we're talking about the heavenly Jerusalem. And the Bible is saying, the kingdom of God, this powerful kingdom of God, is going to be extended or coming out or flowing out or exuding from where? From Jerusalem, which is the church. Did you see it? Praise the Lord. So God is right. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 and 12 through 13, it's another interesting thing that connects to this powerful of God's kingdom extending from Jerusalem. In Hebrews 10, 11, the Bible says, Every priest standeth daily ministering and offering sometimes, I mean oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. Remember, that is the old priesthood. They were always standing and ministering daily, morning and evening, offering up the sacrifices. Right? The same sacrifices repeatedly. And the same we cannot take away sin. The morning God of verse 12 says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. For henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Praise the living God. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get that? The Bible says that he has finished or he finished all the house to do with sin. The reason why the elder priests were always standing was because sin was a repeated issue. So they were always and always doing what? Offering of sacrifices for sins. But Jesus did it once and for all and into the ages. No more sacrifice for sin. It's all done once and for all. Now, why am I reading the scripture? It takes you to the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 5 and 6. And that gives you a very strong spirit. I mean, something for you to pick up. If you look at it from verse number 5, for instance, it said, Praise God. Even when we were dead in sin and trespasses, had quickened us together with Christ by grace he has saved. That when you get down to verse number 6, it said, And I'll raise us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He raised us up, and he caused us to sit together with Christ in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, verse 7, he might show the excellent riches of his grace in his world, in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now the point I really want you to pick there is verse number 6. He raised us up and we are sitting together with Christ here in heavenly places. So now, he is sitting at the right hand of God. Where are we sitting? Same at the right hand of God. And that is what speaks about authority. Right hand speaks of authority and power. Right hand speaks of dominion. Amen. He is sitting together. I mean, he's sitting at the right hand, and we are sitting together with him at the right hand of God. Right now, at the place of power, the place of dominion, the place of authority. Praise the living God. Can I tell you something? If you truly understand your position, if you understand who you are right now in relation to your salvation, be better by the Spirit of God and to know exactly where you are right now. I will ask you to do just but one thing. Continue to look down. You ask me, what do I mean by that? Sure. You're sitting up. The enemies are right where under your feet. The Bible says he wants to make all enemies to be under the feet of Jesus. And you sitting together with Christ in heavenly places. What is Christ expecting of you? What is God expecting of you? To see that all enemies are actually under your feet. Why? Because Christ is the head of the church. We are his body. And within his body or under his body is where the enemies are going to be found. So what do you do? Continue to look down. Look down on the enemies. You don't have any... I mean, you can't create rooms for the enemy to ride over your head. Remember where you are sitting. You are sitting together with Christ in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are not just down below. No, you are up and above. Where is that's where you are? The authority has is what you have right now. I mean, oh, somebody will say, what do you mean, David? 
You think I have the same authority that Jesus had? Come on. He is sitting the right hand of God. So where are you sitting? At the right hand of God. What is that supposed to mean? It means every authority he exercises at the right hand of God. That is the authority you are supposed to exercise. As a matter of fact, let me read the scripture. A uh, little bit of a long reading. I'll take it from Ephesians 1 again, 13 through 20. Message translation. It is Christ that you, once you have the truth and believe it, this message of your salvation, find yourself home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. Oh, glory. Verse 14. This signet from God is a false installation on what is coming, a reminder that we will get everything God has planned for us as praising and a glorious life. Oh, glory. Verse 15. That is why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the Christians, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. For you. Every time I prayed, I'll think of you and give thanks. But I do more than that. Than I ask. That God our Father, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, will do what? Will make you intelligent. This is the key now. And designing in knowing Him personally. Praise God. You got to be intelligent enough. It's talking about granting you the spirit of understanding and wisdom and the knowledge of Him. What is trying to say? Make you intelligent and designing in knowing Him personally. No, not your pastor knowing him for you, not your bishop knowing him for you, knowing him personally. Until you know him personally, you can come to the place of dominion, authority, and power. You can come there. It is your knowledge of him, your personal experience of with the crisis that gives to you power and authority that you are supposed to be exercising on a daily basis on the face of the earth. Are you following me? And he said that your eyes focus and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for Christians. He's calling you to do something and that the life that is given to Christians is a glorious way of life. Praise God. Oh, the egg utter extravagant of his work in us who trust him endless energy boundless strength the power that is in him the glory that flows through us as believers for those of us who have come to trust him he said that boundless energy is pulsating from within no wonder scripture says in Luke 17 verse 21 the kingdom of God is within you. It doesn't come with observation. The energy of life, that same energy that lifts up Christ from the grave, that same energy is resident within your spirit right now. It's in your inner man. Praise God. And that is by the Holy Spirit. Are you catching this? All right. And he said, verse 20, all this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead. And set him on a throne in deep heaven. Can you get that? He set him up on a throne and you are lifted together with him. That is your position. Don't you ever start thinking, oh no, come on David. But I'm right here on the face of the earth. I'm, I'm not, I mean, can you say I'm in heaven? No, you need to understand what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3 verse 13. When Nicodemus was wondering how come that he's telling him to be born again. And he told him, listen. If I tell you of heavenly things you can understand, because even I'm telling you of earthly things, you just cannot understand anything about it. But that even as I'm here, verse 13, the Son of Man, he said, I came down from heaven. I, the Son of Man, came down from heaven. No man has ascended all to heaven once before I came down. And even as I'm talking to you right now, I am in heaven. Oh, glory. Heaven is a state of being from what he simply said there. 
He was telling Nicodemus, I am resident right now in heaven, even as I'm talking to you. But mind you, he was in Palestine. John 3.13. Check it out for yourself. So that's what the Bible is telling us here. We are sitting together with him in those heavenly ranks. And that is where our authority comes from. That's where we exercise our dominion from. From the heavenly sphere. Praise the Lord. All this energy is from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him up in the throne of the heaven. Verse 21. In charge of the universe. Everything from galaxies to government. Oh glory. Glory. No name, no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. Hallelujah. Verse 22. He is in charge of it all. Has the final word on everything. Can you believe that? It doesn't matter what you are seeing on the face of the earth today. He is in charge of it all. He is in charge of everything. Government down to galaxy. He is ruling and reigning. He is in charge. He is in control. Can you believe this? Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Are you following me? Alright. So he is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. At the center of this Christ rules the church. Follow this now. Becoming interesting. Christ rules the church. Then verse 23. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body. In which he speaks and acts, by which he feels everything which is present. Hallelujah. That means wherever you move into, wherever you find yourself, what are you saying? You are exuding, you are manifesting, you are revealing the Christ spirit. This is why you ought to have authority. Because it's not just you, it's him flowing, walking and manifesting through you. Praise the living God. Are you following me? And so when you move down to Luke 22 verse 29, he said, And I appointed unto you a kingdom, as my Father has appointed unto me. Praise God. I appointed unto you a kingdom, as my Father has appointed unto me. So Revelation 5, 10, we said, He has made us priests and kings. You got a kingdom. That means you have a sphere of operation. You have authority in a realm. God gave you that authority to manifest, to rule and reign in every sphere of life wherever you find yourself. For instance, even in your place of work, God expects you to rule, to bring to submission that which ought to be unto Christ. Are you following me? I'm appointed as I've appointed unto you a kingdom, even as my father has appointed me what? A kingdom. You got a kingdom, that is to say, you have a sphere of authority. Listen to me. Jesus is the rock. We are the stone. Think about this for a moment. When you cut a stone from a rock, all of the attributes, the ingredients, the composition of the rock is found on that little pebble. Do you believe that? So you see, he's got a kingdom and we got a kingdom. And our kingdom is a replica of his kingdom on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Are you see here? Praise God. So when he begins to say, like we said before in Psalm 110 verse number 1, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand and I will humble your enemies, making them a full suit under your feet. And he said, the Lord will extend your powerful kingdom Hallelujah. From Jerusalem, you will rule over your enemies. Are you saying it now? So God is giving you the responsibility to rule over your enemies. Can I tell you something? You are not permitted to allow an enemy to ride over your head. They are supposed to be under your feet. They are bound to be under your feet. Praise the living God. Are you listening to me? This is what the Lord is telling us. His kingdom is extended. It's been extended. It's coming and flowing through Jerusalem. The powerful kingdom. What is that supposed to mean? Like we read in Ephesians 1, 2021. 20, we are the one that are carrying the kingdom wherever we go. The kingdom is flowing from the church. The church has been empowered to rule and reign. We got all the dominion to make manifest God's life on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Now, I want to start to make this very personal for you to pick it up. The very first place for you to start exercising your dominion power is in your spirit. Mm. Look at it with me. Proverbs 25 verse 28. 
He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Hallelujah. He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So the very first place for you to start exercising dominion is your spirit. If you are the one that is given to greed, you need to exercise authority over the spirit of greed, over the spirit of gluttony, over the spirit of drunkenness, over the spirit of anger. You've got to exercise authority over those powers. Listen again. He that had no rule over his own spirit. It's like a city that is broken down and without walls. So, you can't be thinking about exercising godly dominion, subduing other people or enemies when you don't have control over your spirit. No, sir. God wants you to rule, first of all, your spirit. So all the spirit of anger, jealousy, envy, backbiting, whatever, all of those spirits that are working in your life, you've got to rule over them as a kingdomite. You must first subdue those powers before you can be free to go out to subdue other powers or enemies and bring them on their feet, according to the word of God. Now you can understand why the seven sons of Sceva were trying to cast out the demons. And the statement was simply, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? By implication, you do not have the right, you don't have the prerequisite. You, you can't represent Christ with the kind of spirit that you manifest in. Are you getting this? So the primary place for you to start manifesting dominion is your spirit. It's your human spirit. Ability to subdue your spirit. All of those things that are contrary to the Holy Spirit that is united with your spirit. How many of you understand that? First King chapter 17. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So we're saying your spirit by now should be a Holy Spirit. Because you fuse together. So things like anger, jealousy, barbiting, quarreling, all of those things, name it, they ought not to manifest in your spirit anymore. They ought not to manifest in your life anymore. Why? Because he that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city without walls who was broken down. What's the meaning of that? Simply telling us that if you don't control your spirit, other spirit comes into your life to take possession. Did you get it? Because walls are meant to protect the city from invaders. But now when your walls are broken down, that means all manner of spirit can encroach into your life. And take possession. Begin to rule you. Begin to control you. Begin to lead you to where you are not supposed to go. This is why scriptures say, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How long have you been in church? And what is your relationship with your fellow brothers? What's your relationship with your fellow sisters? What is your conversation like, even in your home? What is your attitude between you and your husband and your wife and your daughters and your sons in the home? How do you carry yourself? What is your disposition in your place of work? Oh, come on. You need to control your spirit. If you are not manifesting the fruit of the spirit, like you find in Galatians 4, from 20 to 23. If you don't have the spirit of love, of joy, of temperament, being temperate in the things you do, forgiveness, meekness, gentleness, humbleness, if you don't have all this influence in your spirit, something is still wrong with your spirit that you need to work on. And these are the reasons why it's difficult for you not to exercise of dominion in those areas that you are supposed to. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so, please don't miss this point. It's the greatest and the very foundation 
from which you start exercising authority over all other enemies. Reason again, Proverbs 25, 28, he that had no rule. You want to exercise dominion? Where do you start from? From your spirit. He that have no rule over his own spirit. Oh, come on. Somebody's somebody. You need to begin to exercise the spirit of forgiveness. I just got a witness. Somebody, you're watching me. This is what you need to do right now. The spirit of unforgiveness is ruling you. You begin to rule over it right now. And I demand that decree right now that that spirit will completely perish from your life. That from today you become a new creature in this regard. That spirit of unforgiveness is taking so much toll over your life. And it's making some things not to work right for you. You need to rule over it right now. I speak. I take authority over that spirit in your life. I set you free from that bondage of unforgiving spirit. Let me say something to you. Often and again you pray to God and you say, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those that trespass against us. Do you know what you're saying there? Listen again. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. What's that supposed to mean? It means when you don't forgive those that trespass against you, you are telling God, don't forgive me the sins I, com- com- I committed also. Can you see the implication of that statement? Praise God. So I know by his grace that you are free. So now he says, he that had no rule over his own spirit. It's like a city that is broken down and without walls. Amen? So now I'm saying, the very first place for you to start your rulership is where? Your human spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when that happens, you'll be growing in the grace and the power of the spirit of God. You're not coming to the place where the glory and the spirit of God will begin to manifest through you. The real dominion mandate will now begin to come into play. So you say that again in the book of Proverbs chapter 20 verse number 8. Listen to what it says here. A king that seated in the throne of judgment scattered away all evil with his eyes. Oh, glory. <laughs> that means with your mere sight, you can execute justice. You can execute judgment. Now, you are exercising your authority. By implication, you can come to the place of designing between good and evil. You can know what is right and what is wrong. And when people have issues, you can judge righteous judgment. Not the way you feel, not the way you hear, not what people tell you. But you can manifest righteous judgment by reason of your spirit that is united with the spirit of Christ. Jesus said, for judgment came out into the world. And do you realize that? It's part of the judgment to the inside of the sons. Just like God judges no one, Jesus said in John chapter 5, even today, the judgment is in the hands of the believer. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. And he says, A king that seated on the throne of judgment scattered away all evil with his eyes. <laughs> Talking of spirit of discernment, to know between good and evil, to understand what is wrong and right. King should see to the administration of the laws of the nation, of the community, of the church, wherever they find themselves, as well as all the transactions of their kingdom. Praise God. You know, in the British constitution, there is a court for the king. It's called the king's bench. That's where he sits. Right? That's where he sits. And then that's also where he's supposed to be sitting as a king. You know, the eyes here, like we said, represents the presence of the monarch. Remember, we are priests and kings unto who? Unto God. Hallelujah. Are you still there with me? So, when a king sits on the throne... He can pass right judgment. He scattered evil with his eyes. What is that supposed to mean? He gave right judgment. For he can have no self-interest in what he wants to do. 
He don't live in corruption. He's not a corrupt judge. No. And he won't falsify situations that are not supposed to be falsified. He just will not do that. It's time for truth. It's time for judgment. It's time for righteousness. It's time for justice. We are saying, when you actually stand on the face of the earth to execute all of these attributes of the king, you are exercising the authority of the kingdom. Praise the living God. You won't take side with enemies. You won't take side with those who falsify documents. You won't take side with those who, out of the, the, the desire to corrupt themselves and the system, they take bribe and they turn truth to falsehood, to error, to deception. You can be part of that. Are you following this? In exercising your authority, you bring it forth justice. Remember, the Bible tells us that the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of the kingdom, of the throne of Christ. They go in the book of Hebrews. Thy throne, O God, is the throne of righteousness. And the scepter of righteousness is the throne of the kingdom. It is the scepter of the kingdom. Amen? So, that is what it means. When a king sits on the throne, he scattered evil all the way with his eyes. By implication, your presence, which speaks of your face, is enough power. It's enough power to dispel that which is called evil. Listen to this. If you're walking in this realm of life and dominion, if anybody is in a position of guilt, in quote, if he stands before you, he will expose him himself. Because there is something that will make that individual to know that he can stand in your presence. Are you getting this? That is part of exercising the dominion mandate that God has given to us. You find that principle in relation to the ark and dragon, the god of the Philistines. When the god of the Philistines were erected, was erected, or rather, the ark was brought into the temple of the god of the Philistines. What happened? The first day he fell down. Fell down face down before the ark. They stood it up again the next day. What happened? He fell down with all path broken to pieces. And that's exactly what it is. God will not permit and does not permit. In, in this exercise and authority, no demon is permitted to stand strong in your front. No, it's not allowed. God has not structured a church in that manner. Let me give you a typical example here. You know the story of the demoniac in Mark chapter 5, reading from verse 1. It's a long story, so I don't have time to read all of that. But let's quickly take it from verse 5. Here was a demoniac. This demon possessed individual that was in the cemetery, if you will. Bible is always night and day. He was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But see, but when they saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Hallelujah. This is a man that, you see, I think I'm, I, need, I, need, I need to get you to see this properly. Let's take it from verse 3. This man was in a tomb. The Bible calls him a man with an unclean spirit. In verse number 2 of Mark chapter 5. Verse number 3 says, Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could, could bind him. No, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains that have been plucked asunder by him. Glory to God. And the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Oh, glory. No matter what was done to this man, you can't tame him. You can, you can put him together. You can control him. No matter what. Are you getting that? Hallelujah. But the Bible says, verse number 5, And always night and day, he was in the mountains, and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But look at verse 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, I like this, he ran and worshipped him. Jesus haven't even said anything 
When a king sits on his throne, glory, glory, glory. He dispatched evil with his own eyes. When a king sits on a throne, remember, we are princes and kings. This is exercising authority over demons. When a king sits on a throne, he dispatched evil with his eyes. Yeri Jesus, walking on, he hasn't even uttered a word, he, he wasn't looking for, but here is this demoniac, this demon possessed individual, just looking at Jesus, ran and did what and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice, Holy Spirit, and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I draw thee by God. That I torment me not. Jesus having even said anything. That is a man sitting on the throne. That is a king sitting on the throne. Are you following this? Praise the living God. That is the one sitting on the throne. Exercising authority. As a king. Over demons. Over negative spirit. Over powers. That is a man. Exercising authority. Glory to God. How do you like that? How do you want to become like this? How do you want to grow into this level of authority and dominion in God's kingdom? How do you see yourself coming up to this level that when spirit sees you, listen, all the struggle about deliverance and are not ready to go because we are not sitting where we are supposed to be seated. Sitting at the right hand under the throne of the Most High God. And at that position, any devil sees you, is going to bow. Hallelujah. We are talking of exercising authority over all spirits, no matter what nature they are, whether negative, I mean, in terms of even poverty. Glory to God. Exercising dominion. Somebody said poverty. Why not? Nobody said, seek it for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. When you truly seek the kingdom, when you truly come into the kingdom, when you truly begin to flow in the might and the power of the kingdom, all other things shall be added. They begin to come to you. You don't pursue them, they come after you. They start locating you. Hallelujah. It's like saying, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When you see it on the place of authority, what follows you is goodness and mercy. You're walking in the street, good men and masses follow you. That's a man that has come to the place of authority and dominion. That's a man that has become truly one with Christ. That's a man that is sitting at the right hand of God. For we have been raised and we are sitting together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are sitting together with him at the right hand of God. So Colossians 3 we say, seek those things above if you be seated together with him. Are you saying that? So in so doing, you begin to exercise authority and dominion over poverty. Glory to God. Let me see. Time is almost up. Praise God. Just this one thing, and then I'll, I'll go. When you seek to exercise authority, you destroy wrong views and ideologies that are militating against the advancement of God's kingdom. Don't forget, the kingdom is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. It's not outside of you. It's the spirit of God. If you, as long as you have the Holy Spirit of God within you, resident in your life, you have the kingdom of God within you. Let me read this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 to 5, the Bible says, For the weapons of our warfare are not canon, but mighty true God. To the pulling down of strongholds. That is true God anyway. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalted itself. Against the knowledge of God. And bringing to captivity. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I want you to look at that. Imaginations. Images. Pictures. Concepts. Ideologies. Views. Philosophy. Traditions. That exalted itself against the knowledge of God. We are meant to bring them down. Glory to God. It's our right 
is part of our exercising dominion and authority in the kingdom of God to bring such things down. Traditions, concepts, philosophies. Hallelujah. Remember Jesus said, you make the kingdom of God and the word of God of non effect through your traditions. And this is where we are. When we come to start exercising authority and dominion, all traditions that militate and stand against the move of God, they will have to give way. I'll take it from message translation, which is one of my favorite translations. Message translation. I'm taking verse number 3. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. The wall is on principle. It's dog, eat dog out there. The wall doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Hallelujah. Never have we and never we will. We don't fight our battles the way the world fights. We don't use the weapons that they use. We don't use the ideology that they use in our warfare. And there is number four. The tools of our tradition, of our trade rather, are in for marketing or manipulation on the Sundays. The tools, hallelujah, of our trade are in for marketing or manipulation. But they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools of smashing what philosophies tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. Fitting every loose thoughts and emotions and impulses into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience unto maturity. Glory to God. That is our tools. Pulling down obstruction. Removing everything that is standing against the Christ and reshaping such people into the very life and obedience of Christ in the place of maturity. Are you following me? This is precisely what it means to exercise dominion. So through the message you carry, through the word you preach, you subdue powers, you subdue enemies, you bring them to the obedience of Christ. We are talking of philosophies, we are talking of traditions, we are talking of ideologies that are corrupted, that have reduced even the message of the kingdom to nothingness. We are trying to uproot them, like we find in the book of Jeremiah chapter 1. We uproot, we pull down, and then we begin to plant again the real life of the living God. Friend, this is exercise and dominion in the kingdom of God. I need you to understand what the Bible is saying to us. I need you to understand the excess of this message today. That we come into the place where we as sons of God, united and joined together with Christ, sitting in heavenly places at the right hand of God, begin to exercise authority and dominion over all realms of creation. All realms and all manner of spirit that are militating against the flow of God's life into the life of people and in the environment that will find yourself. Thank you so much for finding time and thank you time for being together with us this day in this particular time and season. We just give thanks to the Father. I turn over to my brother and let him continue from there. God bless you brother. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.